0: Hello, and welcome to the Simply Christian Life. My name is Michael Burkle Hun, and in addition to being the host of this podcast, it is my joy to be the Bishop of the Episcopal Diocese of the Rio Grande, that beautiful part of God's creation that encompasses the far west part of Texas and the entire state of New Mexico. Welcome to this episode of the Simply Christian Life. We are reading together the first letter of Peter, which you'll find in the back of your New Testament. We are following along with the first letter of Peter, a global commentary, edited by Jennifer Strawbridge. And we have been reading this uh, first letter of Peter together because the Archbishop of Canterbury, the Most Reverend Justin Welby, has invited all the bishops of the Anglican Communion to read the first letter of Peter as the Bible study, of the Lambeth Conference in the summer of 2020. But that was before the coronavirus hit, and now the Lambeth Conference has been postponed until the summer of 2021. And yet, we're gonna continue working our way through this uh, first letter of Peter, because I think it has a lot to say to us, particularly in this season of Lent. So join me if you have the commentary on page 48, where the commentators write this. Communion in 1 Peter is depicted as something that emerges from the common faithfulness of suffering discipleship. The commentators want to remind us that the nature of what communion is, is not so much... I mean, we we often think in the church today that communion is Holy Communion. It is gathering around the table to receive the bread and the wine. And in fact, it's been very difficult during this coronavirus outbreak when our churches are not meeting under the same roof, we're not meeting in public. Here in the state of New Mexico, we are now under a stay-at-home order where there are no gatherings above five people. And in fact, we are not allowed to leave our homes except to go to the grocery store or to uh, go to the doctor. And so communion, Holy Communion, the liturgical communion that we're talking about often, in the church, is not happening in the way that we normally expect it to. And that's causing spiritual upset and unrest in a number of us. And yet, the first letter of Peter, and particularly in this commentary, it draws out the fact that communion is not a thing we do. It's not an event. Communion is who we are as the nature of church. The Anglican communion is those of us who are in communion together. We are church together. We pray together with common prayer. We worship together with common worship. We are communion. Communion is not something that we are missing. Communion is something that we still are. Holy communion, the liturgy of the table, is something that we are missing the normal experience of, but for us to remember, particularly during this season of Lent, during this coronavirus, That communion is something that we are. And in the first letter of Peter, what creates that communion is common suffering. On page 49, the commentators write, Common suffering as disciples of Jesus, then, is how the church is one, For it is the form of union with Christ himself. The realm in which His grace works to bring us to the fullness of salvation. 1 Peter 4 says, But rejoice in so far as you are sharing, literally, the Greek says, you are having communion with Christ's sufferings, so that you may also rejoice and be glad and shout for joy when His glory is revealed. So in the Greek text of 1 Peter, right there in chapter 4, it literally says, Rejoice insofar as you are having communion with Christ's sufferings. So, if during this COVID-19 epidemic we are suffering because we don't have the things we want, we don't even have some of the things we need, we are struggling to maintain community, people are out of work, that sense of our suffering we can use as faithful Christian people to understand that God is suffering with us and that, in fact, we are participating in Christ's sufferings. This is not meant to just be a pat on the shoulder. Oh, don't worry, you're participating in Christ's suffering. Rather, there's a profound reversal going on here in Christian theology that is deeply rooted in this scripture. So let's talk about that. The commentators write, there are some very concrete forms in which the church's communion is lived out. These common ways the church lives it out are seeking peace and is not driven by our anger. This is part of our Lenten discipline to get uh, somehow a hold of our passions and our human desires so that we will not be ruled by those passions and our human desires. We are here as Church to be Communion for each other. The Church is a Communion. And so that is something that we are continuing to experience, even as some of our churches are shifted to a uh, virtual morning prayer that is broadcast out. We participate in that prayer quite literally, quite spiritually, directly. It's not that we are having virtual Church, it's that we are all praying together in a very real way. Another way that the church is supposed to bear with its sufferings in a way that um, leans into and participates in the communion of Christ's suffering is that we are to be honest, charitable, and always seeking the good of the other. This is something we can all take to heart as a spiritual practice during this COVID-19 virus. All of us would much rather be going about our normal day-to-day life doing the things we want to do. And yet we can't. We are stuck in our homes. We are sheltering in place. We are under stay-at-home orders. And yet the reason we are doing that is for the common good. The reason we are doing that is to keep the pressure off of our hospital system, to not infect the old among us, to not infect the young among us. We're now hearing lots of cases where young people are not only not immune from this virus, but, but if you get COVID-19, no matter what age you are, it might put you in the hospital and put you on a respirator while your immune system struggles to help you survive this. And so by staying home, by limiting our, our fun, by controlling our own self-desires, we are all working together really as one nation, uh, one world now, in order to fight off this virus. The commentators on page 50 write, This means that the communion of the church is itself embodied in the way members suffer the sins of others in patience, in the same way that Jesus suffers the sins of humanity on the cross. Above all, maintain constant love for one another. For love covers a multitude of sins. Be hospitable to one another without complaining. We are all having an opportunity to work on our not complaining, aren't we? We're all having an opportunity to work on our being community and being in love and charity with our neighbors, even when we are struggling in ourselves. Peter's letter shows that Christian communion is not so much the result of resolving these challenges successfully, as it is the way such challenges are to be engaged together with mutual love, in humility and gentleness, and with ungrudging hospitality. Those words come from the commentary at the bottom of page 50. Let's work through those together again in the midst of this COVID-19. Christian communion is not so much the result of resolving the challenges, eliminating the suffering, but rather Christian community, the communion of saints, happens as we engage the sufferings of this world together with mutual love, in humility and gentleness, and with ungrudging hospitality. Let's work through each of those together. In this COVID-19 thing, we are engaging this challenge. We are bearing this suffering in communion in Christ, and we're doing it together. We are bound together with people all over the world, who are suffering and anxious and worried about this COVID-19 situation. We are gathering in prayer with people all around the world who are praying for the first responders, the doctors, the nurses, the technicians, those in factories that are building ventilators right now, those who are trying to figure out supply chains, those in public health departments in every state in this country, and in every part of the Anglican Communion that are trying to figure out the safest way to keep humanity safe from this virus. The doctors and researchers who are doing their best to come up with a vaccine, with a vaccine to come up with better testing, those who administer those tests, and each of us who are staying at home and reducing our exposure to other people in order to reduce the spread of the virus, all of us, we are suffering in this together. And Jesus Christ joins with us in that suffering. This is the meaning of Christ going to the cross and bearing that suffering. We are to bear our suffering together and with mutual love. Here is where love casts out fear. Instead of being ruled by terror and fear and worry and anxiety, what is going to happen to me? Rather, let our Christian hearts go out to those around us, to our neighbors, and let us care for them. Reach out and call people that you know who might be lonely. Reach out and offer to help make sure that your neighbors, whether they go to your church or not, reach out and help make sure your neighbors have the groceries they need. Offer to help pick up their prescriptions in order to help protect and keep them safe. We do this out of mutual love for one another. And when we feel frustrated, when we feel annoyed, when we feel like we want to have the thing that we can't have, let us, out of mutual love, remind ourselves that we are fasting, we are letting go of, we are forbearing so that others can have what they need. Let us do this in humility and gentleness, not counting our needs as more important than anyone else's, but rather with humility and gentleness Let us try to meet the needs of others. And that means meeting our own needs as well. Being humble does not mean that you don't have any legitimate needs. And particularly here in 1 Peter chapter 2, where it's talking about um, slaves be obedient to your masters, it's not to say that the slaves don't have legitimate needs and rights. Rather, what the tone of this letter is about is the, the tone of this letter is about making sure that all people's needs are met. We are to do and bear this suffering with Christ with ungrudging hospitality. That ungrudging hospitality is what we're engaging in when we don't buy all the toilet paper, when we limit our intake of goods and services right now in order to make sure that everyone has what they need, By not leaving my house and putting other people at risk, I am actually offering ungrudging hospitality to those who really have need of it. And so this is a a Christian Lenten practice that we are engaging in together, and it is how we are a communion of faith. Jesus Christ suffered on the cross and joined into all the suffering of humanity through all of the ages. Jesus Christ is suffering here with us right now. Jesus Christ is at the bedside of all those who are sick and suffering. Jesus Christ is whispering words of encouragement and strength to those who are responding on the front lines and even to those of us who are lonely and afraid at home. Jesus Christ is here and as we suffer together, as we suffer with mutual love for one another, as we suffer with humility and gentleness and ungrudging hospitality, we are the communion of saints. The letter of First Peter chapter two also includes instructions that Christian people are to be subject to all human institutions. Specifically mentioned are emperors and governors sent by the emperor. I think we're all struggling with our obedience to the government set uh, over us right now. Um, in, in fact, as uh, states and cities are shutting down and we are all being told to shelter in place or, or stay at home, I think all of us feel like our freedoms are being encroached upon. And yet, here in Second Peter, the author is writing to people who are enslaved, people who are oppressed, people whose governments are not Having their best health interests in mind, but are rather, um, oppressing them, enslaving them, supporting a, a system of slavery and unjust distribution of goods, not for the well-being of the people involved, but to preserve the power of those in power. And because humanity continues to be a broken and fallen thing. We can see the signs and the temptations of that even for us right now during the COVID-19 thing. There are folks who may be looking to make a profit off of this situation or to improve their political stance instead of serving one another. And that service, that joining in the human suffering, is what we are called to do as Christians. The letter of 2 Peter recognizes a difference, a dissonance, a uh, reversal in terms of what the world puts in place in terms of power structures and what the gospel and where God is in the midst of that. This is from page 53 in the commentary. The force of the verb, submit, might range from a strong sense of submit to authorities or to a weaker sense of accept or even tolerate those human authorities. And then it says this, the logic so far suggests that the value of such acceptance of those authorities is not because of any core value in those human authority structures, but because such an acceptance will give pause to those who are slandering God's people and accusing them of evil doing. So remember, this was a letter, 1 Peter was a letter, that is written to people who are enslaved, who don't have the power to rise up and overthrow an unjust system of government. And these are people that are being maligned. They're being thought of as dirty, rotten people who don't do the right thing. And so Peter is saying, show people your goodness by being obedient not because the emperor deserves that obedience not because god is upholding the right of the emperor to subdue people but rather by showing people the goodness of our hearts the character of who we are as christian people by showing people that character it will cause people who are in this world just for their own gain or for their own power to come up short because they will have encountered the nature of the power of God in Jesus Christ by encountering us, the followers of Jesus. So over on page 54 it says uh, Peter's community would have understood that human authorities do not have ultimate claims upon them, especially when those human authorities become agents of injustice since the Christian person's allegiance is ultimately to Jesus Christ. Nonetheless, because in the best of cases governing authorities could be agents of God's justice and serve the healthy order of society, Christians are urged to submit to their governors, not as a matter of compulsion or fatalism, but, quote, for the Lord's sake, unquote. It is worth pondering the possibility that 1 Peter may be offering a deliberately ambiguous argument In chapter 2, verses 13 and 14, we could read these verses as arguing that accepting the authority of the emperor and his governors is part of God's order, that God has sent those people, or we could read these verses as arguing that accepting the authority of the emperor and his governors is merely part of the dominant human order that the emperor has sent. The difference in how we interpret these two things, of course, is very significant. It may be that these letters were written knowing that they might be intercepted by the Roman authorities, and thus there's a deliberate double meaning going on here. The authority might open this up and go, hey, this is a great letter. It's telling all the slaves to obey their masters. And yet what the slaves would really hear because they're followers of Jesus Christ is a reminder that their obedience is only to Jesus Christ, not to the emperor. And that the only reason they're obeying the emperor is in order to prove to the emperor the goodness of what it means to live as a follower of Jesus Christ. So there's a double meaning here, just like there's a double meaning with the suffering. The suffering of this world, the suffering that this world meets out, the suffering that we all participate in, is also the suffering that Jesus Christ took on himself on the cross. And what did Christ do with that? He led us through the suffering, through the tomb, to the resurrection. And so even while we are suffering, we are also beginning to participate in the glory that is Jesus Christ risen from the dead. And by analogy, those of us who are suffering by accepting the government's edict that we stay at home, that we shelter in place, that we not live our life as we normally would want to, those of us who are doing that and thus suffering through it can also in this moment already begin to anticipate how joyful it will be when we are back in our churches when we are singing together those hymns when we are celebrating the holy communion together out of the common cup those days will come why because jesus christ rose from the dead and it is god who is our lord and so We accept the the edicts of this government, not because they are greater than our responsibility to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, but rather because by suffering in this world, we are participating in the communion of saints. We are participating in the suffering of all persecuted people. And by participating in that, we are also drawn through that suffering to the greatness of God. Now, I don't want to minimize the very true reality that we have got to isolate ourselves. And there are people that are on the front lines of this, the doctors and the nurses who are putting on their surgical masks every day and not take them off for their whole shift at work because they are in constant danger of protracting that illness. And, And those folks need our prayers. They also need our support. And they need us not to use up the supplies that they need so that they can do their jobs and help our whole society move through. So there's a very practical sense here, and I really wanna be, I want you to hear me clearly. I believe that our government in this instance, by telling us to, to stay at home, by working to preserve the healthcare resources to get them to those most in need, this is a government that is working on behalf of American citizens. This is not a government that we should resist because it's somehow unjust or restricting our freedoms, not at all. In fact, we need to enter into this compliance with this government because in this instance, in this time, this is not uh, these, these edicts are not in place to uh, control us. Rather, these edicts are in place to protect us from the COVID-19 virus. And that is the thing that is our common enemy. So we will move through this. The market will recover, but it will recover faster if we all keep... This COVID-19 thing as, as low as it can possibly be kept. And so for us, in some ways, as for the people who first heard the second letter of Peter, there is, as it says at the bottom of 55, there is a strategic submission to the order of the empire in this section, but the essential submission is to God. And so the reason I'm following through with the governor's order is not that the governor is the ultimate authority in my life. I do believe that, that um, our government is trying to help and protect us, and so there is wisdom in that. I'm listening to the science, scientists very much. But I'm also finding in this instance that Jesus Christ's call towards humility, self-denial, and um, care for others is the primary reason that I'm doing what I'm doing. And so it is our primary motive as Christian people to follow Jesus Christ. So I'm sheltering in place and staying at home because Jesus wants me to love my neighbor. It also is practically and medically advisable, and it happens to be in line with what the governor is saying, but I'm doing it because I love my neighbor, and I don't want to do anything that would jeopardize my neighbor. On the bottom of page 56, the commentators write this. In this first letter of Peter, slavery and patriarchy are the two most prevalent and enduring systems of the ancient world, so widespread that they are all but invisible. Remarkably, however, this letter makes them visible. Part of what this first letter of Peter does is it calls out and names the slaves and the demanded obedience of those slaves. And so slavery and patriarchy, which were assumed to be normative, are actually brought onto the table and dealt with as a thing, which is not something that the society would have thought to do, right? The first thing you've got to do when it comes to injustice is see it, notice it. Once you can see the injustice, then you can deal with it. So as the first letter of Peter says, slaves be obedient to your masters, Part of what it's saying is you had a choice whether you did or whether you didn't. And that's not something that the masters would want a slave to think at all, right? And yet part of what is being said in 1 Peter is, I know and you know that that master is not really your master because I know and you know that Jesus Christ is really our master and that in Jesus Christ we are all free. So I want you to live as a free person. And it's strategically helpful as a free person in this context and in this situation, in this day and age, for you to go ahead and submit to your master. But you're doing it because you choose to, not because you have to. And that is subversive of the whole patriarchal system that uh, the, the slaves and the women in the time of Second Peter were living under. And so while our context is completely different, and the, the suffering that we're dealing with right now is a totally different thing from what happened in the, in the past. Some of those dynamic threads are still there, right? We are still in relationship with governments. And those governments are not the ultimate authorities on our lives. In fact, sometimes we may be called to resist an unjust government order, right? But in this instance, when the order is given out of the goodness and for the health and preservation of human life, it is the right thing to do for us to listen to that government. But if we do it just because the governor said so, that's not a powerful reason, and we might do it grudgingly and with disrespect and anger in our hearts. We might try to find ways to work around the governor's edicts, right? That doesn't really apply to me because of this or because of that. Instead, what we're all being asked to do because of our communion with Jesus Christ and because of our participation in his suffering and because of Christ's participation in our suffering, we're being called to do what we are doing out of the goodness and love and humility and hospitality which Jesus Christ asks of us. And when I do those things out of goodness and loving kindness and hospitality and humility, I feel a sense of joy. I do not feel a sense of fear. I do not feel that I am being ordered around. I feel that I am being given the opportunity to love and care for my neighbor. So there is a spiritual discipline and a spiritual invitation here for all of us. And I want you to know that my daily prayers, which are increasing these days, my daily prayers are for all of you all of you listening to this podcast, that you might know the love of God and feel the strength of God's power in your life, that God's power and authority in your life will give you the confidence to know that you can choose to make the right decisions here for the welfare and peace of the world. And my prayer is especially with all of those who are suffering because of the COVID-19 virus throughout the world, those who are sick, those who are struggling to breathe, those who are in pain. And for all of those on the front lines caring for them and for those who are working so hard to provide for what all of those people need, and I pray that we in the church can be a part of the solution and be a part of that which helps keep our churches going and keep our society doing the right thing not because the government says, but because Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior. And finally, my prayer is that in the midst of this, even as we are unable to gather under one roof to receive the body and blood of Jesus Christ physically, my prayer is that as we join in with the suffering of Jesus Christ, we will find that communion with him and with all of the world, The communion of saints that has joined together and suffered in every era and every generation, may we be a part of that communion by bearing with kindness and humility, and yes, even joy, the sufferings that we experience these days. God bless you, my friends, and let's keep the Simply Christian life together.